Hey guys, welcome back to the Greenwood First Student Podcast. We are going to be starting a new series this week in the book of Philippians. We actually started this last night. We live streamed our worship service over in the edge on our Instagram page as well as our Facebook. Um, And so today the podcast is going to transition into kind of a a summary of the message from the night before for those of you who are not able to join us in that way, and also the opportunity to to maybe pick up a portion of this that we can dive a little bit deeper into. Uh, and today we have one specific verse that I want us to look a little bit more into in the podcast than we had time for in the main message. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and get it. Let's open it up and see what God has for us in His Word today. We're going to be reading uh, the first 11 verses in the book of Philippians. But before we get into it, just a brief overview. Uh, The book of Philippians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. This was a church that he visited on one of his uh, missionary journeys as he went through Asia, uh, spreading the gospel. And when he got to Philippi, it was a metropolitan, a large uh, city, but it had no real influence of, of God especially Christianity, but not even Judaism. We, we see in Acts that as he goes there, there's no synagogue for him to go and worship at, and so he goes down to the water, goes down to the river where some sympathizers of, of the Jewish culture would come and, and hopefully pray together to God and, and at times even have traveling preachers who would come and share a message. And so he goes down to the water and he meets a woman named Lydia and he shares the gospel Uh, at the riverside, and Lydia and her whole household is baptized. And this is the birth, this is the beginning of the church in Philippi. And so uh, that's where we see him establish the church originally. Now we're 10 to 15 years later in the book of Philippians, and Paul is in prison. He's in Rome, he's been arrested for his sharing of the gospel, and he's writing this letter back to the people in Philippi, to the church there in Philippi. And it's an interesting letter because it's different than the others. This is not a uh, correctional letter, as we see in Corinthians and other places where he's correcting issues inside the church. It's not a a doctrinal letter where he's trying to help them understand doctrinally things about the church that we see in other books as well. This is simply an encouragement. Now, there are some things that he speaks to the church towards the end, but even in that, he is speaking in an encouraging way. That's why a lot of people will reference this as the epistle of love or the letter of love from Paul. And so let's read these first 11 verses, and we'll briefly summarize uh, the content, and then we're going to stop on one specific verse and, and spend some time on that through the podcast. So follow along with me if you have your Bible open. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for you, all in every of my prayers. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. 
For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. So this is how Paul opens up this letter to the church in Philippi. He is telling them, I am giving thanks to God for every moment that I remember you. Every time I think of you, it moves me to thank God for you. What an intense way of showing your love for a group of people to tell them that every time he remembers them, every time a thought crosses his mind about the church in Philippi, he stops to give thanks to God for those people. That's the way the church should operate. When we think about our brothers and sisters in Christ, whether it's in our local church or or a part of other churches universally, when we think about our brothers and sisters in Christ, we should always be at a place where we pause and give thanks to God for the work that He is doing throughout the world and throughout His churches. And that's difficult for us. It's not always the case. A lot of times we like to look at other churches and compare ourselves to them. We like to look at other bodies of believers, local bodies of believers, and we like to uh, maybe criticize the way they do things because it's not the way that we do things when, in effect, we're all approaching the same goal. As long as they're not outside the lines of what is uh, orthodox, what is right, then we can be supportive and, and be thankful for what all churches are doing. But that's hard for us to do because we are selfish people and we want to look at ourselves and our church as being the greatest and And sometimes we have to deny the flesh in that so that we might give thanks for all others. He says to them, I thank God for you every time I have a remembrance of you. And then he says, I'm always praying with joy for all of you in every prayer. When I pray for you, it's full of joy. When I think of you, it's joyful. And it's interesting because we have to remember that Paul is writing this from prison. He is literally in chains, in prison, writing this letter. And he is saying, As I think of you sitting here in prison, my circumstances don't hinder my ability to be joyful when I think of you. There's there's things happening to me. I don't know what's going to happen to me next. I'm imprisoned. I don't know what's going to come from this. But what I do know is that as I sit here in this cell and my thoughts go to you, my prayers go to you, they are full of thankfulness and joy. Now listen, the only way that's possible, the only way it's possible for Paul to have this mindset of endless joy no matter the circumstance is if he is thinking with a mind of Christ. If he has the mind of Christ in the way that he is thinking, that his circumstances around him do not matter. Is his joy for the people simply a a temporary type of joy? Absolutely not. His joy for the people is a recognition that they are doing kingdom work and that eternally they'll be together and so he can have joy in that. No matter our circumstance, if we know that we are in Christ and we have eternity with Him that is coming for us, we can live joyful no matter their circumstance. Right now, we're living in some some fairly difficult times, times of quarantine and isolation, and and that can cause us to have different thoughts and, and different attitudes towards things. But at the core of who we are as believers... The quarantine shouldn't rob us of joy. It might rob us of certain happiness or it might rob us of certain experiences, but it can't take away a joy that is within a believer. 
It can't remove that from us. And so we can learn from Paul, who's imprisoned here, that we can have joy even in difficult circumstances. He tells them exactly why he's joyful of who they are in verse 5. He says he's joyful because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What is it that brings Paul this joy for the people of Philippi? The fact that they are partners with him in sharing the gospel. In the gospel work, they are his partners, and this leads him to be joyful for what he sees in them. And that's, again, something that we should look at. When we look at other churches, when we look at other believers, their approach may be different, their thought process may be different, but they are partners in the gospel. So we should be joyful because they're partners in the gospel, because they've been transformed by Christ in the same way we've been transformed by Christ. And that joyfulness comes because God is getting the glory He deserves from the people that He has transformed. So let us be joyful in that way. Then he shifts and he says in verse 6, he says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now that's the verse we're going to come back to in just a moment, and we're going to look at a little bit deeper. But he continues on in verse 7, saying that it's right for him to think about them in this way because he has them in his heart, again, because they are partners with him in grace. And then again, in his defense and confirmation of the gospel. And then he says in verse 8 how deeply he misses all of them. God is his witness about how deeply he misses them and has an affection for them that comes from Christ Jesus. And he prays for them that they will continue to grow in knowledge and discernment so that they may approve the things that are superior, that they may be pure and blameless on the day of Christ, filled with righteousness that comes from Christ. And all of these things, he prays, are to the glory and the praise of God. So he continues, he ends out this first section again, just encouraging them, letting him know that he is longing for them, that he misses them, that he deeply has affection for them, and he's praying for them to continue to grow in knowledge and discernment so that all of these things might bring glory and praise to God. And that's where we need to be praying for each other in the same way. Be praying for each other that we would continue to grow in our knowledge of who God is and our discernment of how to live for Him so that God may receive glory for the transforming work in the lives of His people. And all of these things flow together. Now, let's go back to verse 6. This is where I want to spend a little bit more time. Verse 6, he says this. He says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, believer... If you're a follower of Christ, this should be a verse that you should have memorized so that in times of concern, frustration, despair, this is one that brings us comfort. Because listen, here's what we do as believers a lot. We start to depend on our performance. We start to depend on our own works. And we think, well, God saved me and now I have to go work for Him. This verse helps us to understand how saving work works, right? How the, the teaching, the understanding of something called sanctification happens. First, we are justified, and that is justification where, where we are saved, and then sanctification is this process of becoming like Christ that leads us 
uh, up until the point of when we return to be with Christ, whether by death or by His return. And in that moment when we are with Him in heaven, that's when glorification happens. But this moment of, of sanctification is what this verse speaks to, that whenever the work started in us, it was started by Christ. He's the beginning. He's the author of the saving work. Not us, not our, our minds, not our thoughts, not our actions. We're not the beginning of salvation. Christ is the beginning of salvation. And that is the good work that He starts in us. And we can be comforted that if He starts that work, that He's going to continue that work. And then He's going to continue it to its completion. And so as believers, we can have comfort in knowing that where in our flesh we have moments that are good, we have moments that are bad, we have moments that rise and fall in our fellowship and our walk with Christ, that all of these things are being held together by the completing work of Christ. The sovereign, almighty God of the universe is the one who does these works in us and through us. And that should bring us comfort. It should also bring us authority to go and do those works, knowing that they're not of our own flesh. If we're doing works out of the, the Spirit and the love of Christ that is within us, then He is going to continue those works in us. And He will be the one that will produce the fruit of those works by us because it's out of our submission to His authority and by our listening to His leading and how we work for Him that He brings glory to Himself. And it also lets us know that not just the works that we perform, but the salvation itself. Salvation, when started by Christ, is held by Christ and completed by Christ until the day of Christ Jesus, until the end. Until the end when we will be with Him again. Salvation is not something that we work for and then lose. It's not something that... We are given and then we can lose. It's something that Christ starts in us. He brings the desire in our heart for us to long for Him, to submit to Him. We believe in Him and then He begins that work in us and He keeps it to completion. So in your doubt, in your struggle, in your trials, please understand that Christ is the one holding that work together and you can rest in that work. You can have confidence in the work of Christ and confidence that He will keep you and in that work to its completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I pray that's an encouragement for you. I pray that that's something that helps you to understand that it's not about our work, but it's about the work that's already been done and is still being done by Christ in us. Something that can encourage you as a believer as you live out your daily life. Next week, we'll continue to see how uh, the advancement of the gospel can continue to happen even in the worst circumstances. Paul will teach us that, and we will grow together in that. Uh, thank you guys for, for tuning into this episode. And until next week, may the grace of God be with you.